Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. I'll tell you, this 10 o'clock service, I just took a quick little walk. We got a full house here today. We are full in here. We are packed in Auditorium 2, and so good morning, Auditorium 2, and uh, those of us joining online as well. I'm going to try a little experiment. Is that all right? I'm going off script, which makes people nervous, but we got this little wall that's between us and Auditorium 2, and I just wonder if, if sound travels between it. So can we try it real quick? So I'm going to try this room first, all right, and I'm going to say that Christ is risen, and you know what your line is, right? So let's try it and see, see if we can let them hear us over there. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. What, what do you think, A2? Can you give them a run for their money? Let's try it. Here we go. Christ is risen. All right. So there, that proves that little point. That's a nice soundproof wall. Thank you, National Amusements. And uh, all right. Well, hey, today is not a normal Sunday, is it? Well, look, we get 365 days. One out of every seven is a Sunday. Some of them are really special, but this one is the one that is the big day for us, more than any other as a church, not just because of the lunch that we will have, not just because of the excuse to buy a new outfit, not just because of the number of people that come together, but it is so much more. There's a reason why we're here. And I'm not sure why you're here. Some of you, you may be here because you're just always here. Some of you may be here because today's a really special day. Some of you maybe are watching online because you were invited by someone. Who knows what brought you here to this place today? But I can tell you, for all of us, there's a reason why we gather. It's actually the reason we gather every Sunday, but especially today. We are here today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are we not? Like, that's what we celebrate together. We are here today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate his resurrection because it's supernatural. We celebrate his resurrection because even in the first century church, at the very heart of the apostles' teaching, it was the resurrection. We celebrate it because it's arguably the most specific, significant day in all of history, and we could dig in. We, we could look in all kinds of different ways. I just wanna give you three reasons today why the resurrection is so critically important. Here's the first one. Number one, because of the resurrection, doubt becomes faith. We celebrate the resurrection because the resurrection is the catalyst that allows our doubt to become faith. There's a book in the New Testament called 1 Corinthians. The apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in a city called Corinth. It's kind of a long letter, and it wasn't always a very positive letter. He had to deal with some things. And one of the longest chunks that he spends in the whole letter as a topic, as something he tries to communicate, is actually on the subject of the resurrection. It's the content of the whole 15th chapter in this letter in the book of 1 Corinthians. And he had to deal with an issue that was happening in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead. There were people in the church who were saying, you know, we really don't believe that there's a resurrection. When you're dead, you're dead. And that's it. And they didn't believe that there was life after death. They didn't believe in the resurrection power of God for some reason, and we don't know why. 
Historians and theologians have speculated. We're not sure why they believed this. Somehow, we kind of believe that the, the teachings of the culture, the Greek philosophy, had kind of worked its way into the church in such a way that it caused them to question and doubt God in some significant ways. Same thing can happen today, can it? Like, that's nothing new. But for some reason, they were saying, we're not so sure we believe that there's a resurrection. And he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. That's kind of a downer for Easter Sunday, isn't it? I've had some people say the preacher is useless, but preaching is useless? That the message has no power, nor does your faith have any use? And Paul puts this out there for them, that if you're gonna say there's no resurrection, if you take the resurrection out of things, it leads to a message that has no power and a faith that has no value. But if you fast forward a few verses, he corrects this for us. When he gets to verse 20, he says this, but isn't that a great three-letter word? Because that word changes everything. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, well, it was supposed to rain all day, but it didn't? Have you ever had that happen? Or you're like, I thought we were out of Oreos, but I found another package. I never thought that Rhonda would go out with me, but she did, <laughs> right? The word changes everything. So Paul says, look, you think there's no resurrection, but let me tell you something different. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That little three-letter word there changes everything. It flips the script. And Paul says, look, you think that maybe there's no resurrection. If there is, your faith has no value. But can I tell you, the resurrection takes doubt and turns it into faith. And let's be honest, somebody coming back from the dead is supernatural. It's kind of unthinkable. It's something that's easy for us to go, cool that you want to believe that, but I don't believe it. And it can be a source in many people's lives and experience for, for doubt of some kind or another. So you might go, well, Chad, how do you know? How do you know that this whole Easter thing, how do you know that this whole Jesus thing, how do you know that this whole resurrection thing is true? So maybe someone has pushed back on you in that way and challenged your belief. Maybe you've had some of those thoughts. Can I throw real quick your way, just, just four quick proofs of the resurrection. Now, you, you, can, you can dig in more and find out more, but just four quick things that if you're thinking, how do I know this is true? Here's the first one. We'll, we'll just call it early historic accounts. Even what Paul writes here in, in 1 Corinthians 15, the stories that we read about in the Gospels, the things that we read from the early church fathers, even things that come from the, the literature of the culture and the time in the first century, all these historic accounts point to someone who historically lived, whose name was Jesus, who died, and then rose again. So we have these early historic accounts. The second proof that we see when we look at this is just a proof that we'll just call the empty tomb. That there was, at the same time, also a belief that Jesus' tomb was empty to the point that, and we won't take time to read it today, but in Matthew chapter 28, it tells a whole story about a conspiracy theory that the Jewish leaders got uh, hatched up with the Roman guards to try to say, no, the tomb wasn't empty, they stole his body. When the reality was, if the tomb wasn't empty, 
no one would have believed the story that it was. Let, let me give you this as, a, as maybe an analogy. Anybody grow up in a small town or maybe a small community? Maybe you got a small church or a tight family that you were a part of. I grew up in a really small town. And if something happened to somebody who knew about it, everybody, word spread. And the community, especially the Jewish community in Jerusalem, would have been very much the same in the first century. So that if there was word about someone who died in a very public execution on a cross and then was buried, and then he rose again, if it wasn't true, it would have gotten squashed. Here's what a theologian and apologist William Lane Craig says. He says, the site of Jesus' tomb was known to Christian and Jew alike. So if it weren't empty, it would be impossible for a movement founded on belief in the resurrection to have come into existence in the same city where this man had been publicly executed and buried. What he's saying is, if there was an inconsistency about the empty tomb, the story would not have flown and Christianity would not have made it. Now, now that would then take me to the, the next kind of thought that we would look at as a proof. We'll call it eyewitness testimony. That there was eyewitness testimony to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Paul actually records some of this for us in 1 Corinthians 15 verse five in the same chapter. He says that after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to Cephas, that's another name for the apostle Peter, and then to the 12, those are the, the 12 apostles, the, the disciples of Jesus, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That fallen asleep part some of you can relate to right now, can't you? <laughs> then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, to Paul also, as to one abnormally born. Here's what Paul says. Jesus, after his death, <laughs> was resurrected, and then he appeared to hundreds of people at different times. You're not talking hypnotism. You're not talking groupthink. You're talking, you have an exhaustive list of witnesses who saw this Jesus Christ alive again, which takes me then to the proof that is the most convincing for me personally. And it's what we would call extreme life change. That because of the story of Jesus, there were groups of disciples that grew and grew who were willing to walk away from their faith, from their tradition, from their religion, from their family. They would take these dramatic steps and you don't take steps like that if what you're trying to propagate is a lie. You do those things because you believe something, and the only thing that explains that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have, have you ever heard of a gentleman named Charles Colson? Chuck Colson passed away several years ago. If you go back to the Nixon White House in the early 70s, he was a high-ranking politician official in the White House. He got caught up in the whole Watergate scandal, if you're familiar with that, actually did some time in prison came to be a believer in Jesus Christ during that time and went on to be um, kind of a modern-day theologian and, and spokesman for the gospel. He, he said this, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. 
Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. And at least 11 of those 12 were martyrs. They lost their life for their faith based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You don't die for a lie. It helps me to see that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And for that, I'm thankful. The resurrection takes doubt and gives us faith. But let's go back to what Paul was saying to them. Because Paul said, okay, I'll, I'll give you your argument for a minute. I'll let you say that there is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then we got some bad news. Let's go back to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. He says, look, if there's no resurrection, then what are you even believing for? Your faith has no value. Your faith is futile, but remember, he flips the script, one three-letter word. He says, but Christ is indeed raised, so can I just encourage you today, your faith is not futile, that when you put your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, when you look to him for answers, when you walk through difficult seasons, when you need strength in your life, and you put your confidence in Christ Jesus, that faith is not futile. It is well-placed in a risen Savior, is it not? Your faith matters. And you might be sitting there going, Chad, that's awesome. I believe that. But it's hard right now because <laughs> I can't see the answer I'm hoping for or things don't make sense to me right now. And I have faith, but I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm getting much out of it. And instead, I kind of feel empty. Sometimes faith can put us in a place where we really try with our heads and we might even try to work it out with our hands but in our hearts, sometimes there's seasons where they just feel empty. And that lack of feeling, connection, emotion, faith causes us to wonder, do I have enough faith? Is God really there? Does anybody care? Sugar Grove Elementary School is in a little town called Center Grove, Indiana. And uh, they recently had Picture Day. Does anybody remember Picture Day in your elementary school? They do two a year. They do like one in the, in the fall, then they do another one in the spring. And so they had the spring one all scheduled to go, and uh, there was a snow day. So they had to you know, postpone it. And so then they rescheduled it, had another snow day. So then they had to schedule it a little later than they usually do. They scheduled it for the third time, and they scheduled spring picture day just a few weeks ago on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. They scheduled picture day on St. Patrick's Day when they take the pictures of the kids in front of a green screen. They take the pictures of the kids in front of a screen that's green, so if anything is green, it disappears. They took the kids' pictures on St. Patrick's Day. Do you see where this is going? 
when you do that, this happens because <laughs> this poor little guy just disappeared into the bushes and in the fences. You'll see the, the, the watermark, the copyright things on there because these were the proofs and once the company realized what happened, they like, they like tried to destroy them all, but parents posted them online, praise God, right? So you got this little guy. The next little guy cracks me up because it's like he already knew that look on his face. He's wearing this, this, this St. Patrick's Day shirt that says, lucky me. I love this next one. It looks like poor dude's getting run over by a car, doesn't it? Like knocked his torso right off. Good for a chuckle. And then I thought, you know, sometimes my faith's like that. It's all head. It's all hands. I just don't feel it in my heart. Sometimes life's difficult, and I want to have faith, but I still have fear. I want to believe, but I still have doubts. I mean, I, I think Jesus rose from the dead, but I don't feel him in my life. I mean, I, I know you say he loves me, but yesterday it sure didn't seem like it. And I'm trying here, and I'm trying here, but I'm wrestling here. And if in your faith you still have times when you wonder about fear or you wonder about doubts, can I tell you, you are never in better company than on Resurrection Sunday. Let me show you this. Matthew chapter 28. I've never seen this before, but I was reading Matthew 28, and it says, so the women, now there was a group of women who were followers of Jesus. They were the first ones to get to the empty tomb. And the angel tells them what has happened, and the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now they're gonna go tell the disciples what has happened, but if you go back to that, it said they were afraid yet filled with joy. Those two things don't seem to go together, do they? <laughs> like what a crazy rush of emotions that they have fear and faith at the same time. You ever had that? Where you believe in God, but you're not quite sure. <laughs> like you think this is gonna happen, but you still got a little bit of fear in there. And the reality is it's natural for us to have these moments where we have both fear and faith. It doesn't mean God's not there. It doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith. It means it's natural that your human and your holy side sometimes is in conflict and you have both fear and faith at the same time. Does that make sense? Here's the problem. Oftentimes, I'll watch people go through a hard time as a pastor, and a little fear comes up, and they start to think that they don't have enough faith, or they let somebody who's a bonehead, no, that's not a biblical word, bonehead's not a biblical word, they let someone tell them that they don't have enough faith, or somehow the enemy tells them that God's not even real. Can I tell you, it's not unnatural to have fear and faith at the same time. Even more, look at what happens next. Matthew 28 17, here's the disciples, the, the followers of Jesus. They've left everything to follow him. And it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So before Jesus' crucifixion, he said, this will be our meetup point. When we get separated, come back here. And so they take a road trip from Jerusalem north to Galilee because the women told them that's where Jesus would be. They go and they meet there. And when they get there, it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. If I was Matthew, I would have put the period right there. Anybody else? You don't need those last three words. I'm trying to encourage people. I'm trying to build faith. They worshiped him, but some doubted. Why? 
Because oftentimes in life, I look at something and I go, I can't believe it. I can't believe it at the same time. And you can worship, you can be in awe and have questions at the same time. It is not wrong to have doubt and faith at the same time. The two can often go together. And when the enemy tells you that you don't have enough faith or when you start to think that God isn't real or you start to question him because things don't just go the way that you think they should, recognize this, if you never had doubts, you would never need faith. The whole reason I need faith is because life will put me in situations where doubt is natural and that's when I have to say, Jesus, in spite of what I see, God, in spite of how I feel, God, even though I don't have the answers, right now I say this, I believe in you. I love it that we started this service with an old, old song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Did anybody know that song? Like, I've, I've, I've known that song my whole life. And when we sang it, it took me right, do you have songs that take you right back to a time and place? Man, it took me right back to a place about 25 years ago. And I remember I was in my car, and it was a moment of some, some great question and uncertainty and transition in my life. And I can remember driving in the car, and a friend had given me a, a, a sermon on a cassette tape. Do you remember cassette tapes? God used to work through cassette tapes. Do you remember that? And I popped that sucker in, and as I was driving... The sermon ended, and the church started to sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know he holds the future. And as I'm driving around Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I have got just tears coming down my face because I was reminded that life is worth the living just because he lives. So I don't know what you brought in here today. I don't know what is sitting in the seat with you in Auditorium 1 or in Auditorium 2 or what you're, what you're carrying right now on, online or watching on TV or listening to this podcast. Here's what I know, though, that in spite of some of the doubt that may come our way, because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, lives today, we can have faith, amen? amen. And we can trust in him because he lives. The reason we're here is because of the resurrection. And the resurrection takes doubt and we exchange it for faith. But let me show you a second thing. Number two that I want you to see today is this. Because of the resurrection, sin becomes forgiven. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, sin becomes forgiven. I'm so thankful for this. Look, when, when Paul is talking, remember this, he's talking to Debbie Downer in Corinth. Remember this? And he's saying, all right, you say there's no resurrection. Well, let me tell you this, 1 Corinthians 15, 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And these six words are killer. You are still in your sins. You're, you're stuck. You got no hope. That thing that separated you from God that wall that you built through what you said, did, thought, the way you acted, how you hurt that person, how that person hurt you, it's still there. Because if you take the resurrection away, you are still in your sins. But can I tell you, because of Jesus' resurrection, you do not have to still be in your sins. Instead, his resurrection changes everything. 
Look, your sins can be forgiven. We can know forgiveness because of the resurrection. Here's, here's what I guarantee happened just right now. That when I said the word sins, a movie started to play in your brain. Because you, you started to go back to some presentation of what happened in the past. And you know the places where you sinned, where you disobeyed God, where you did something that now you look back and say, well, that caused pain or that caused hurt or that messed me up. It may be something very public. It might be something so private. You're the only one who knows. But as soon as I said sins, you started playing that movie in your head. And you know what God said? He said, because of that movie, it separated you from God and there's not one thing that you can do. When you replay that presentation in your brain, there is not one thing that you can do to change it. But Romans chapter four, verse 25 says that Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. I'm so thankful we can be right with God, can't you? God takes that, that, that movie and he right clicks on it and he clicks on delete. Aren't you thankful for that? And he removes our sins from us. Look, your sins can be forgiven. This is why in two weeks, May 1st, we're gonna have as part of our service a baptism service. That'll be a part of it. If you've not yet been baptized in water and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, can I encourage you, don't put it off. Take that step. It is a public expression of how Christ has forgiven your sins. It's pictured in the way you go down in that water and when you come up out of the water, you are a new creation who has been forgiven. And I'm thankful for that forgiveness. Look, your sins can be forgiven and your past is not your future. Many of us think that our past or even our family's past have to be the things that define us. And look, your past is not your future. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're, we're gonna start a, a sermon series on that same Sunday, May 1st. We're gonna take a look at some characters in scripture and we're gonna call it family tree. We're gonna do a little ancestry search. A anybody ever done any of that looking into your ancestry? I've done a little digging around in my family tree. Here's what I found. If you take that family tree and you shake it hard enough, all kinds of fruits, flakes, and nuts fall out of it. Isn't that true? Because <laughs> what you're gonna find, same thing's true in scripture. And we wanna take a look and I want you to know that your past doesn't have to define your future and you can experience freedom because some of you, when Paul said you're still in your sins, you said, yeah, it kinda feels like it actually. Because that temptation keeps coming, and I keep doing things that I look back on and go, why did I do that? Or maybe you've never known the relief of forgiveness, of grace. And Paul says because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you don't have to stay there. There's a guy named uh, Robert Silk. He goes by Robbie, Robbie Silk. And uh, have you ever heard of like extreme sports or extreme competitions? You know, all kinds of stuff on the water, in the snow, with wheels, climbing mountains, like you, you name it. There's, they take something to make it extreme and dangerous. Well, Robbie has invented a brand new extreme sport. He calls it, wait for it, extreme sitting. 
he goes someplace kind of extreme in nature, sets up a chair at sunrise, and sits till sunset. And the goal is to find a time when you can go somewhere with an extreme climate, and you sit there all day, you do nothing, you take it in, and you just sit there. And I read the article, and I said, I have been training for this my entire life. <laughs> Anybody else? He, he has done it in, um, in, in Sedona, Arizona, in the desert. That's one of the places where he kind of started. He has done it in Joshua Tree National Park in California, kind of a real hot desert climate. He set the record there, 14 and a half hours. He spent just recently, he did it in Antarctica. It's kind of crazy. Robbie holds all the records in this so far because no one else has done it. He invented it. He's the only one to do it. And I'm just, I'm looking at it. And I'm going, okay, I, I, I get it. I think I get it that, that he's, he's doing this. But I also went, I don't get it. Like, I mean, okay, cool. I, I understand and I, I get the challenge of the, the elements and I get, I get the whole thing. But here's the deal, Robbie. If I get to go to some of those places, I'm not just sitting there. I don't want to be stuck there. I want to go see it. Like, I want to go explore. I'm glad you're getting frostbite on your nose, but I want to do something more than that. Like, I, I don't want to be stuck there in that seat when there's freedom for me to go and actually live. And some of us are not competing in extreme sitting, but we're not so bad at extreme sinning. And we're still sitting there with a temptation, with a challenge, with a struggle, that Jesus is over here saying, you don't have to be there anymore because I died and I rose again so that thing that has held you back, you could be set free from. John chapter eight, verse 36 tells us, if the sun sets you free, you will be, anybody? <laughs> free indeed. So there is freedom. Some of you, the greatest gift you could walk out of here with today is forgiveness. To know that no matter what, you are right with God, and that's possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection, doubt becomes faith. And because of the resurrection, sin becomes forgiveness. Last thing, number three, because of the resurrection, Death becomes hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, death becomes hope. Let's go back to our uh, kind of grumpy friend in Corinth who says there is no resurrection. And Paul's got to correct them. And he says, look, I'll give it to you for a minute. Let's say there is no resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 18. He says, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ. It's kind of a metaphor for those who have died those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. The King James Version says it in a much more brutal way. It says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. He's saying, look, if, if you're just believing this Jesus thing and it's not real, man, have you lost out. Man, you're just missing the whole point. You're just believing a lie. And you should just be pitied because the people that have died are just dead. 
and you've lost hope in that, and they've lost out too, and you're just wasting your life on this lie, that's when Paul uses that powerful little three-letter word, verse 20. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits, what's that mean? Well, if you're gonna have a harvest, the first fruits are the first thing that you harvest because it's a guarantee that there's more harvest to come. So Jesus was resurrected first to guarantee that you and I can have resurrection as well. Aren't you thankful for that? That we have hope because Jesus rose from the dead. Why does that matter? Because life's hard. And and if you just take a look at life, you see frailty real quick. Because you're probably gonna confront, I I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but you're probably gonna confront something before this week is out that overwhelms you. Anybody? And you might have a moment where you go, I don't know if I can make it. And you might think, I'm not so sure I can do this. I don't know how to solve this. God, I need your help. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that will help you in the frailty of this life. Romans chapter eight, verse 11 says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, it lives in you, that resurrection power is in you, you don't have to wonder if you can find it. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. If you ever need a little life, you can find it, and it's not just kind of some dim light or some halfway power, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it can live in you. So if you need that strength today, if you need that hope today, the the decay in life doesn't have to be the last word. You can find life and hope through Jesus Christ because of his resurrection. And then there's death. Like if there's been a word we've become more accustomed to, or it seemed to be louder recent days, it's death. I thought about a lot of people who have said goodbye to someone, maybe even since last Easter. We can tend to have a preoccupation with death. There's a theme park in China called Window on the World and they're known for like their replicas that they do. So they have a replica that's a third the size of the Eiffel Tower. They have like a life-size Mount Rushmore. They have a Buckingham Palace. You go through all these different things. It's a pretty popular place. And they have a ride there that's called the Cremator. And you have an opportunity to find out what cremation might be like. And so you walk through a simulated morgue And then if you sign up for it, you get into a coffin that they then put on a conveyor belt and they roll you through this simulation where with lights and hot air that's about 104 degrees, they try to help you to find out what you might experience if that's what you experience. Just a reality check. If you're going to experience that, you're not going to know it, right? But people sign up for this ride. Not me, I'm not interested, but it just tells you how much we wonder about death because it's, for so many of us, our greatest fear. It's the thing that challenges us in so many ways. And you might be watching this, you, you might be here today and going, I don't know what to do about death. Well, why? Well, one, you think about your own death and you wonder what's after it. And two, sometimes we're wrestling with so much grief that it can even be crippling at times. And can I tell you, 
The resurrection offers the hope of heaven. Paul says, look, without the resurrection, those who fell asleep in Christ are lost, but with the resurrection, that all changes. So thankful that Enoch read that scripture for us from 1 Corinthians 15 a little while ago. I love it when he started. He looked right at all of us and said, listen. Did you hear him say that? 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says this to us. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The reality that we have is those who die are not without hope. Those who die have the hope of heaven because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I didn't intend to, to do this. I didn't intend to, to share this. I had the sermon pretty much wrapped up, and uh, our, our daughter and son-in-law are in town, and so we were hanging out yesterday morning, and we were just kind of in the living room just kind of laughing about some stuff, and we started telling some stories from the past. We weren't just kind of telling stories from the past. Sometimes I'd like to tell stories to my son-in-law that he doesn't know about my daughter and it embarrasses her a little bit. So we were, yeah, thank you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were sharing those a little bit and I was like, I know there's a video somewhere. Like I know somewhere there's, there's like a picture of this so I wanna find it. So I went back upstairs to kind of work on my notes and I sat down at my desk and I was like, I know that I've got this video somewhere. So I started looking on my computer uh, with all the you know, different files that we have. And I, I stumbled on this folder that I never intended to look at. And yet when I stumbled on it, and I hadn't looked at these pictures in a long time, I just started scrolling. And it's a folder that's all these pictures of my dad. So this was his school yearbook picture. He worked for a school system. And so they took this not on St. Patrick's Day, as you can tell, right? And I just, I've always loved that picture, just the, the look on his face, and that's my dad. And so I started scrolling through some of these pictures. He died um, 26 years ago this past week, actually. And uh, I found some pictures from Easter's past, which was interesting. This one's from my very first Easter. Uh, that, that's me, if you were wondering. And uh, that's, I don't know if you can see, my dad is wearing a purple pinstripe sport coat. He was a bad man in the 70s. <laughs> or my mom told him he was wearing it. It's one or the other, but he rocked it for sure. And then this next one comes from an awkward season in Chad's life. And uh, I suppose I was about 14. And I'm also thinking that we were told what to wear for that picture as well. And my dad's wearing a knit tie. Does anybody remember knit ties? I'm pretty sure if I remember right, I was wearing a leather tie. Does anybody remember leather ties? Yeah. I know some of you are looking at it and you're like, wow, that guy on the right, settle down, ladies, he's taken, okay? It was really funny. I was, I was scrolling through those pictures. Maybe it's because of Easter. Maybe it's because of my dad's anniversary of his passing. But it hit me sitting at my desk like a ton of bricks. I'm going to see him again. Like, I'm going to be with him again someday. Like, he's not dead. He's never been more alive. 
And someday, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I will be with him again. Because those who fall asleep in Christ have hope because Jesus is risen. And death did not get the last word. And for some of you, you have struggled and you've wrestled with loss. And for some of you, you've struggled and wrestled with fear of death. And can I tell you that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, death does not have the victory. It has lost its sting. And we have hope because of Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56 says this, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And for that, I'm so thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? And look, some of you turn on this service you walked in this building and you were carrying something in your heart that you weren't sure you could carry on your own. And if we had to put a word on it, it's plagued with doubt. Does God really care? Is God really there? Am I gonna be able to make it because I've got some fear and I've got some unbelief. I'm not sure what to do about what the doctor said. I'm not sure how this job's gonna play out. I don't know what to do for my family right now. I'm not sure this relationship's gonna make it. And in all those questions right now, a resurrected Jesus wants to bring you faith. And so right now in this moment, would you let him by his Holy Spirit bring faith to this situation? Bring resurrection faith to your life. And some of you, when we talked about sins, that same movie started playing in your head again that tape from your past, that same thing that brings condemnation, that comes back to you in the dark of night, that thing that has seemed to define you. And the resurrected Jesus says, you're not stuck sitting there still in your sins. And he would say today, stand up and take forgiveness from me that you could know forgiveness from your crucified and risen Savior today. And some of you feel like you're looking death in the face. You're seeing the frailty of your life today where you're wrestling with great grief and loss in your life. And you need to say, Jesus, resurrected Jesus would you give me hope right now in this moment would you grab hold of that hope and know that he's with you that we have the promise of heaven not only will we see our loved ones again but because he lives you can face tomorrow And then I'm sure that there are some in this room, in Auditorium 2, 
you're watching this on a screen somewhere, you're listening to this message, and you would say, Chad, I, I don't just need the things you're talking about. I need a fresh start. Like, I need a new life. It's almost like I wish I could start over and be almost born again. And the Bible says that that is possible for you today, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, then you can be saved. And for some of you, you'd say, Chad, I don't just need a few things. I need a new thing. I can't do it on my own anymore. And what I need to say today is, Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe for some of you, this is the first time that you've made a commitment like that. To say, Jesus, I need you to change my life. Or maybe it's, it's a relationship you had in the past, but something has come between you and God and you need to, you need to start it over today. So in this room, auditorium two, if you're joining us by technology, right now if you would say, Jesus, I can't do it anymore, I give you my life. I need you to be my savior and my Lord. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Just kind of keep your hand raised for a moment, Jesus. I need you, I can't do it on my own anymore. I give you my life. I give you my life, I need your forgiveness. You can raise your hand and put it right back down. It's just between you and God. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, anybody else? Here's what I'm gonna ask. If you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, or if today you need to begin or begin again that relationship with him, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sin. I ask today that you would forgive my sin, and be my Savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, look, if you prayed that prayer, those words don't have any kind of magical power, but those words open up your heart to the things that God has for you and what he might want to do in your life. If you're watching this and want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I'd encourage you to go out to our website, ToledoCalvary.org. There's a link there that you can click that just says Jesus, and we would love to help you learn more about what it means to follow him. Here in Auditorium 1 or Auditorium 2, if you prayed that prayer to begin or begin again a relationship with Jesus, right after the service, I would encourage you, before you walk out the doors, come here to the front. We'll have some friends who are here. You're not going to miss brunch. Can I get an amen? You're not gonna miss brunch, but just stop down here, and if you say, I need to know more about how I can live for Jesus, We've got folks that would love to put a Bible in your hands that you can easily read and understand. We would love to pray with you and help you to know what it means to surrender your life and live a full life with Jesus Christ. You can do that in Auditorium 1 or you can step to the front in Auditorium 2. Friends there that would love to pray with you. Would you stand with me? Before we go, one more time, can we give thanks to our risen Lord who is seated on the throne as we sing this together. Seated on the throne. It's where your grace and mercy Let's declare this With power and all majesty Our Savior rose in victory hey! Sing God be glorified Let your name be lifted high Oh, with glory and all honor be Forever to Come on, one more time You see that? See it on the throne It's where your grace and mercy Savior rose in victory, and God be glorified.
you. We give you glory and honor. We praise the name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Now as we go, would you send us out of here? May we know your faith, your forgiveness. May we know your hope. Send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ is risen. Have a great week. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Happy Easter.